invite you for the next half hour to join us for interviews, discussion, inspiration and for strategies to help you fulfil your potential both in life and in business. Welcome to Remarkable Woman Radio. Today I'm talking to a good friend of mine, Rosemary Bova. Now, Rosemary lives in New York City in Brooklyn and I'm very delighted to have you on the line today, Rosemary. Thank you very much, Mandy. Now, Rosemary, you have, I was reading through your media kit, now you have an, um, a very full background in management consulting, business consulting, and as executive coach, and a specialist in organizational development. So how did you get started down this track, and have you found that it is sort of weaved a little bit along the way, or have you sort of stayed true to where you originally started from? Well, I think uh, I would say it's been a winding road <laughs> for me. Um, and um, a lot of that has to do with what roles were available to women, what areas um, women could work in. So when I started out, the corporate America, the only roles in corporate America for women were administrative roles, secretaries. Um, and you had to start there, and I, I didn't know how to type. Um, so I pursued a, a more traditional female uh, career, which was social work. And as I got, uh, did my studies in social work, I, I, as much as I loved working and helping people grow and solve their problems, I really felt a yearning that I really wanted to uh, work with a larger audience and make a, a bigger difference. So it was, I took a very circuitous road to get from social work and the not-for-profit sector into corporate America and then into my own business. Wow. And isn't it interesting? Lots of ups and downs. Yeah, lots of ups <laughs> and downs. Absolutely. And uh, I know even for for me as well, when we left school, there wasn't as many opportunities. I mean, we didn't think outside the square like so many of the kids and, and you know, the young woman can can today. And so it's quite, um, it's quite fascinating that even for my children, that some of the jobs that they're in now weren't even there five years ago. So I find that just amazing. Right. Yeah. So just to sort of sit back and watch that happen. Now, I also see mm-hmm. that um, you love to get to the heart of the problem because I guess why wouldn't you? But I guess once you can figure out what's broken, then you can put a strategy in place to fix it. Is that what your expertise is about? Well, I, yes, I, w- I would say um, exactly. One of the things that was really um, outstanding in uh, my uh, graduate work in social work was learning how to listen and to have uh, you know good problem-solving skills and I was able to transfer that to the field of organization development I had never heard of that um, until after graduate school and um, <clears throat> so um, learning how to listen and, re- and hear what people are actually saying, but also picking up a, um, energetically what might be underneath what they're saying or behind what they're saying has really served me well. So I've been able to weave some of my intuitive skill 
into the problem solving. And when I started out, I focused primarily on behavioral issues. And um, I'm going to say later, um, must have been after about 15 years, maybe even more, I was introduced to work that really focused on structure, the structure of work and roles. And um, I've been able now, at this time in my life, to really weave together those two dimensions. So appreciating the importance of understanding the invisible infrastructure of, of um, roles, like the organization's spine, one of the metaphors I really like to use in my work is uh, the human spine. And uh, I, I go to chiropractic for my own well-being. And you, you recognize that it, uh, discs in the spine, if they are ruptured or um, have subluxations in them, it causes pain in the body. It causes blockages. Energy doesn't flow. And um, the same thing is true in a corporation uh, or a business if if the uh, the set of of roles how work gets done is the organization's spine and um, if there are compressions or uh, ruptures or or dysfunctionalities in how things are defined or designed that is going to cause problems in the organization so um, the work I do really helps people to look at how their structure is created or, or, or what um, outcomes of a poor structure might look like and help them to figure out how to improve that. At the same time, it's also looking at behavioral issues so that people can become more emotionally intelligent understand how behavior might be affected by structure because it actually is when people are in poorly defined roles they are likely not to uh, behave as well as if they were in a well-defined role which gives them the freedom to act and apply their gifts to the task that's actually a very good point that you bring up like a poorly defined role actually inhibits people whereas a um, a well-defined role lets them exercise more of their own creative and intuitive and cre- uh, you know um, and talents you'd think exactly. it all yeah and you'd think it actually would be the opposite way around wouldn't you that if there was a poorly defined role they could sort of make it their own but um, just what you're saying or what I'm hearing is that once it's it's more defined then they have then they kind of know where they are and where they can take their role is that correct that's correct because they have much more freedom to apply their own imagination and creativity to um, um, satisfying the requirements of the role. It's when it's when you don't have that clarity about the role that uh, people start, you know, behaving a bit oddly. Mm-hmm. And um, the other thing about this is that it it always puzzles me I'm still puzzled by it that um, people talk about reorganizations I was at an event recently where there was mention about how many reorganizations uh, of corporations have been going on in the US 
and it's a it's a very high number. And the the other high number is that they don't work. They're not they're not working. So so the companies are not getting the benefits that they thought they would get. And um, what happens is that they often um, they don't look deep. They it's almost like they just skim the surface. So they'll talk about culture, but nobody wants to do the really rigorous work of looking at roles and how roles interface with other roles. So it's easy to look at the vertical hierarchy, but how does, you know, one department, roles in one department um, relate to uh, another department? And, you know, what authorities do people have? What are they accountable for? Uh, I find this work fascinating, but I also find that um, it takes a, a, um, a very special person who really is willing to do the rigor that goes with it, it goes with that work. Because then, but then you really are transformative because the results are really transformative. Um, the release of innovation and human imagination is significant. Uh, and the cost savings are extraordinary. Yeah. Because you see where you have a lot of duplication, where there's so much waste. And, um, yeah. You know, and there's, and once you have the release of human imagination and creativity in companies, that's where you're going to get your greater profitability because that's where you're going to, you know, design a new product or a new service. Uh, you're going to have you know people excited and engaged, and we just are not doing that to the the extent I think it can be done. Yeah, I I agree with you actually because I'm all about um, talking about inspiration, the spirit within, and when mm-hmm. you can when you can align um, the people that work for you to the company's mission and vision, and then when you actually take it to a deeper level, like you're speaking about, where you can really um, begin to make sure that every all the interfaces of the of the different roles are all are all working together. I mean, that is probably one of the the secrets to an organisation that is on fire that is that can create um, um, that release that human inspiration as you said because um, I was actually mm-hmm. one of my questions was going to be what do, what are the major problems do you see in business today or what do you perceive as missing and obviously one of them is the connection between all departments and that but what else do you perceive as missing Rosemary? I think there's a um, what is missing is a um, a sense of uh, camaraderie. I think you know, and I can. I mean, I'm speaking primarily now from a U.S. perspective, but I think many surveys are showing that the level of disengagement of the American workforce is over 66 percent, I believe. And um, of that percentage, there are about somewhere between 13 and 15 percent who who actually admit to thwarting any attempts that their executives try to improve things. Wow. So people are actually negatively working and I, against the corporation because they're angry and I believe they're also very fearful. 
So um, you would think that they wouldn't do something like that if they're fearful. But I think the American uh, worker has um, has a lot of fear of um, job security. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were hurt during the recession. And um, they, they lost a lot of their uh, retirement incomes. Many jobs were lost. So people don't trust corporations now. And they also see the disparity between executive compensation and what they're earning. Mm-hmm. And so, so there's a lot that's wrong. But I also think that every worker has to start taking some more personal responsibility to their um yeah, to, to their role in, in, in the corporation uh, to, and everything. To their role, to, yeah. what, to, to who they are. Mm. I mean, you, you, know, um, uh, you know, I think we've had a, you know, a real uh, long, um, uh, what's what I want to say, a long period of greed and where everything is about, you know, shareholder value uh, to, you know, and I think we're unbalanced with that. I think we have to have more we, mm-hmm. more of a sense of community. I think, you know, yes, we want profitability, but um, we need to really, you know, look to work our cities and, um, you know, have, um, you know, have our cities thrive. You can't have, you can't have just a, a small segment of the population yeah, you know, thriving, and the rest of the world struggling. Yes, definitely, yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. Now, Rosemary, I also saw on your website because I love having a look at what everybody's up to. Mm-hmm. Um, that you <laughs> love to. Um, there's a couple of things here, but the first one is that you, you for entrepreneurs, that some things that you offer them is that you they need um, a trusted strategic thinking partner um, because um, often, and I can speak from experience when you're um, building your own business that sometimes strategy doesn't become um, it probably needs to be more of a um, more of a priority but sometimes it's just getting things done so working with someone like you would I imagine be quite an advantage to any entrepreneur yeah what I have uh, created are um, what I call strategy and inspiration sessions and um, they are um you know, probably like um, it can be as, you know, three hours, a half day, um, where I work with the entrepreneur to really kind of, uh, first of all, get grounded and focused, but also talk about what are they trying to create here? Because you, we get um, entrepreneurs generally are ever busy. They're always working, but they're into the doingness rather than the beingness of their business and um, I have one person in mind that I'm thinking of and she's brilliant and she's got a very, you know, she's got a number of different businesses Um, but she has never really focused on the infrastructure and so she has, you know, she's been in business for probably 30 years and she has a lot of people that are with her, have been with her for 30 years. And they're being paid well, but the business has changed. And um, she really hasn't looked at, and she's just beginning to do this, 
to look at whether or not these people are in the right roles. Should they still be there? Um, you know, how does she create, you know, a new structure for her businesses that will enable her to be more profitable um, and give people more opportunity to grow and develop? I think that's a really good point, isn't it? You know, just actually, um, because what you're bringing up is actually the ability to ask some great questions and to be around someone that can help you find those answers. And Mm -hmm. um, because we all know that the quality of the questions we ask will dictate our destinies. So um, I think, yeah, so that's, that's. Brilliant, Rosemary. Um, you have um, you've created a white paper, which is a really interesting um, piece of work. Are you going to be turning that more into a book that we can perhaps get our hands on one day soon? <laughs> <laughs> well, I I'm not going to give you a date when you're going to get your hands on it. But anybody anybody who wanted the white paper can contact me and I would be happy to, you know, send them an electronic version of that. But what the white paper talks about is some of the stuff that we've already talked about. It talks about um, the importance of uh, distinctions at work, uh, for example, between management, leadership, supervision, and what is, um, what is good management. Uh, it also provides a... Um, uh, a formula for assigning tasks to people. Um, I think ta- assigning tasks is a lost art. And I know I get in trouble myself all the time because sometimes I think I'm narrowing down the task to be done uh, and communicating that to um, either an employee or, um, a, you know, an independent contractor. And sometimes... I'm being too broad and they need much more specificity. Mm. Um, By giving this formula to both the manager and the the person in the subordinate role, you empower the person in the subordinate role to ask for what they need. Mm. And that, uh, so it's a very interesting dialogue that can take place, uh, ensuring that the work is going to get done and i think it's um i I think it's just i've I've been really rethinking this of late so i'm not my my thoughts are not um uh let me say solid totally solid here but i think i'm on to something in terms of the importance of the personal responsibility of workers to to get the kind of information and scope and um, uh, expectation Mm. by asking questions, not just being on the receiving end. I really like that. I think the art of dialogue... Yeah. Yeah, I think the art of dialogue has has suffered because people are not asking each other questions. Yeah, and... and Everybody's rushing around... (laughs) And then I think you're right too, but taking personal responsibility, it's a two-way street just to sit there and, and take mm-hmm. all the time. It doesn't work and that actually leads to more dissatisfaction. Now, mm-hmm. um, now also you have um, been doing a lot of work um, in the area of women over 50. Are you able to tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about that? Because that's, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a hot topic for, for a lot of women. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's... Um I'm very excited about this work. Um, 
I um, I really feel that uh, you know um, women here, uh, but I think all over the world are have the uh, opportunity to live longer, and um, uh, many women have not been encouraged to realize their full potential. I think younger women now today have have a different. Uh, ability and experience, you know, and to experience themselves to their fullest. But those women who are, you know, uh, around 50 or over are, you know, did not, were not brought up that way. And so I think for many of them, um, they were, you know, their, their cultural background influenced where they went and what they did. So, um, <clears throat> Yeah, for me as an Italian American, I know that there were many, uh, you know, many of the women that I grew up with. Um, you know, parents wanted them to get married and have children and keep the family going. And I know for myself, uh, I just wanted to see the world. I want. I was yearning for knowledge and uh, exploration and experimentation. And, you know, so many of the, the women that I grew up with, you know, that's how they lived their lives. And my life is a little different. Um, there's a cost to that also, because sometimes you feel like, why isn't everybody doing that? <laughs> um, and it's, it, it's just recently that I realized that I probably had a lot more courage and conviction than they did. But I think a lot of them are finding themselves now, like, now what do I do? You know, what can I do? And I think this idea of, um, there's so much ageism in the U.S., it's really sickening. And, um, you know, you, you, you know, women are in particular more so than men, although men are doing a lot of, um, uh, plastic surgery and, uh, using fillers and things like that. But, but women, you know, are so afraid of growing old, of, of, uh, you know, losing their beauty. Um, it's really unfortunate because there's there's no appreciation of the um, the uh, fem- <clears throat> the feminine elder. I don't like the word crone. I don't know where that word came from. <laughs> but I don't. I never liked that word because no. it always looked like a, a kind of an ugly kind of. Um, Oh, black bird. person. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's an old bird. There's yeah. yeah. There's something beautiful about a, a, a woman who is in her um, prime. Uh, Should we say in prime? her elder years. <laughs> in her prime, in her elder years. And, um, you know, particularly one that has done her work, knows who she is, and can. Um, uh, you know, step out and guide other women and uh, help them to explore who they are so that they can be, um, they can fully authorize themselves to what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think there's a lot of opportunity between older women and younger women and younger men. I think they, we need, we need the both and. So that's, I mean, I've been playing with this um, when I think of re uh, of editing the article and rewriting the book, the the work uh, of of calling it both end, 
because I think it's it's both and. Yeah, I agree. I like that the both and rather than the either or. Um, Mm-hmm. We're, we're getting to the top end of our um, of our interview, Rosemary. So what would be a piece of advice that you either wish you'd been given or um, or that you did actually give yourself um, that helped you? Um, I would say to everyone that each of us is a unique being. Um, and there's... There's no duplicate unless you're an identical twin. Um, but there's no duplicate of you. And each of us has been, you know, enters this world with unique gifts and contributions to make. Um, I think it is so important to instill in, uh, in children that they are wonderful and they are special. But they also have responsibility. And um, I wish I, I had, I mean, I had a lot of that growing up early, but then, you know, their life took a turn um, when I was about six. And, you know, those messages kind of somehow went away. So, so what I took away from that was, well, all of that might not have been true. It's taken a long journey to recognize that both end, all of that was true. Mm. And, um, you know, so you you sometimes um, think it's so important to realize that um, we are all special and that it is okay to share your concerns and fears with others. Yeah. I, I really think mm. holding that alone is is very sad to me. And I think it's a cause of a lot of mental problems and physical problems, physical health problems. Oh, you're absolutely right there. Thank you so much, Rosemary. And now for those of you who would like to find out where to contact Rosemary, um, her website is bovaenterprises.com. Is that correct? You just Correct. Started? Yeah, great. So that's bovaenterprises.com. Rosemary, thank you so much for your time today. I really, really appreciate it and um, look forward to having you on the show again. Well, I hope so, and it's been an absolute pleasure for me, Mandy. Bye for now. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Looks like a girl, but she's a flame. So bright she can burn your eyes. Better look the other way. You can try, but you'll never forget her name. She's on top of the world.
If you hear God, make the fear disappear when they fear God. Take away my fear when they in the fear God. Do you fear God? Cause I fear God. And in my backyard, that's a dear God. And that's a horse ranch. And to my core fans, keep repping me. Do it to the death of me. X in the box, cause ain't nobody checking me. Listening to Remarkable Woman Radio. You can catch us again next Tuesday at 3.15 on 104.6 FM or anytime on planetaudio.org.nz forward slash remarkable woman. We'll see you then.